The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. Now this is though exactly what Farron's had in mind. Twelfth play of this yep. drive. Clock going tick, 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 tick. Third and four. This would take another two, two and a half minutes off the clock if they get the line to make. Quick pass, lost it. It's right there. It's Brandon Smith. He's got it near the goal line. Against DeAndre Payne, the corner, the one they think so highly about. They're going to go pace and tempo. How about it? Sergeant, Sergeant, touchdown. The pace and tempo to hurry up and get the team from the passing conference on their heels. Iowa just Big 12. <laughs> Big 12 team. The youngster from Iowa Western Community College, a real difference maker in this game without Ivory Kelly Martin available. It comes up big. Magnificent blocking up front by Hawkinson. The Hawkeyes get it done. Brian Farron says, yes, sir, we'll take it. Hello, everyone. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeyes Mike. This is our new Reporter's Notebook podcast featuring Steve Batterson, who reflects on the Hawks' victory over Iowa State and previews this week's Iowa UNI game. And you'll hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game, Iowa's Kirk Ferentz and Northern Iowa's Mark Farley. This Hawkeyes Mike podcast is one in a series of our weekly programs, which include sports reporter Scott Docterman of The Athletic and Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times, former Iowa kicker Ron Colusi, and our own Tyler Chemeland and Jack Bransgard. The Iowa ISU game highlights are courtesy of Fox, with announcers Tim Brando and Spencer Tillman. We very much appreciate it and thank them. Nolan in trouble. That ball is loose. They're going to rule it a fumble, it appears, and it's Epinesa that stripped it, and the recovery by Chauncey Golston, 57. Epinesa did a tremendous job of beating his man, getting to the quarterback, creating the turnover for his battery mate. Epinesa with perfect timing here, and the first turnover of the afternoon. Hawkeyes Mike programs are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes. And remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal, building strong and safe in the Midwest for over 50 years. Iowa plays host to the Northern Iowa Panthers this Saturday evening at Kinnick Stadium in Iowa City with the Hawkeyes looking to gain their third straight win to start the 2018 season. Kickoff is slated for 6.30 p.m. Some might call this a classic trap game the week after the Cy-Hawk Trophy battle with Iowa State and the week before the Hawkeyes host Wisconsin in the Big Ten opener for those two rivals. But listening to the players talk this week, as well as Coach Ferentz, it does not appear they are overlooking their in-state FCS foe. Iowa is 2-0 in non-conference play, having defeated Northern Illinois and Iowa State with both games played at home. UNI is 0-1 with its bye week coming last week in the second week of the season. The Panthers lost 26-23 at Montana in their opener. Northern Iowa trailed 26-0 at halftime in that game, but battled back in the second half before falling just short 26-20. 
23. UNI is ranked 21st in the Stats FCS poll and 18th in the FCS Coaches poll. It has finished in the top 25 in 13 of the last 16 seasons. The Panthers also boast 63 players from Iowa and have had 51 players named All-Conference since the 2007 season. That's the most in the MVFC. Kirk Ferentz is Iowa's winningest head football coach with a record in Iowa City of 145 and 97 and 157-118 overall. In his 20th season at Iowa, Ferentz is the dean of college football coaches. His 145 wins in all games is fifth in the Big Ten and his 86 conference wins ranks sixth in the conference. Northern Iowa's Mark Farley is in his 18th year as the Panthers head coach with a record of 142 and 73. That is the most wins in UNI's history and his 88 MVFC wins are also the most in that conference. Iowa leads this series 16 to 1 including 16 and 0 in games played in Iowa City. The last three games though have been close including the 31 to 23 win in the 2014 season opener. In game notes Iowa continued its tendency to win games when it rushes for 100 yards or more with last week's win over ISU. The Hawkeyes are now 30 and 1 over the past four seasons but 0 and 11 when it fails to do that. Iowa's defense has been very impressive so far through the first two games. It has nine sacks that's the most in the Big Ten and second in the nation trailing only Arizona State which has 11. Sophomore defensive end A.J. Epinesa leads the team in that category with three of those. He's tied for the Big Ten lead and is second in the NCAA. Epinesa was also named a Big Ten co-defensive player of the week for his performance last Saturday against the Cyclones. The Hawkeyes have allowed just 10 points in those two games and the five points per game average leads the conference and is second in the nation. Iowa is allowing only 3.38 yards per play. That's the second fewest in the nation and the 26 first downs allowed are the least in the Big Ten. And the Hawkeyes lead the conference and ranked fifth nationally in total defense at 199.5 yards per game. While Iowa's offense have struggled and gotten off to slow starts in both of those games, there are some bright spots. The Hawkeyes have only allowed one sack, despite not having their two starting offensive tackles in game one. Iowa has outscored its opponents 82-7 in the second half of its last three regular season games, Iowa State, Northern Illinois, and Nebraska. Quarterback Nate Stanley is now 10-5 and as Iowa's starter. He has won the last four games. He's 6-0 against non-conference teams, and he's 7-2 so far at Kinnick Stadium. In those games, he has thrown 18 TDs against five interceptions and has 1,625 passing yards. Depth chart notes. Two Iowa starters remain doubtful for this game. Running back Ivory Kelly Martin, who was injured in the NIU contest, and wide receiver Amir Smith-Marset, who hurt his shoulder in the ISU game. Look for Torn Young and Mackay Sargent to continue to shoulder the running duties Saturday evening. Also, the starter at middle linebacker continues to be Jack Hockaday over Amani Jones, and Jimon Colbert appears to have moved ahead of Christian Welch at weak side linebacker. For the Panthers, they have yet to decide who they're starting quarterback is, either Eli Dunn or Colton Howell. Dunn started the Montana game, but was pulled for Howell, who finished strong in that contest. Tidbits and nuggets. This game will be telecast by BTN with announcers Chris Vosters and Chuck Long. As usual, it will be broadcast on the Hawkeye Radio Network with Gary Dolphin, Ed Podolak, and Rob Brooks. It's also available on satellite radio.
Radio, XM Channel 207, and Sirius Channel 108. The game is a sellout, as was last week's against Iowa State and next week's versus Wisconsin. And a special halftime show on Saturday will feature three-time Grammy nominee Pat Green along with 50 members from each of the Hawkeyes and Panthers marching bands performing in the South End Zone the song Wave on Wave, the anthem of the Iowa Wave to the UI Stead Family Children's Hospital. The remaining members of the two marching bands will create images on the field for those children to view during that song. You know, normally a patient wouldn't have a vat of scotch during a session. Mm -hmm. That's an interesting fact I'm going to have to remember if I'm ever on Jeopardy. One of the great settings for college football, and intimate too. The crowd is right on top of you, sort of a college football version of Wrigley Field. Stanley, over the middle, and here's Smith Marset. How do you do? Just about ready to say it'll even be more exciting if we can get some explosive plays. And it delivered right there. And the big prototype on again, off again. Quarterback finds him open. 45 yards on the reception. Let's hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game. First up, Iowa's Kirk Ferentz, who talks about the UNI football program. You know, Northern Iowa's an outstanding opponent, a very traditional program. Uh, as long as I've been here, they've been a strong, tough uh, uh, program and do very, very well uh, in a very tough conference that they play in. So that, that's a starting point for us. This team looks no different, and we only have one game film. Again, it's kind of an unusual circumstance. We're in week three, but only play, play a team that has one game film right now. And it looked like they, uh, much like us in our first game took a while for them to get started then they, they got it going in this latter part of the game and looked uh, looked to be really good and I think really you know all you got to do for us is look at the series last three games that we've had with Northern Iowa uh, whether it be in 14 uh, whether it be in 12 uh, both those 11 win and, and uh, excuse me 11 point and 8 point wins but more specifically the 2009 uh, ball game where we had a really good football team and we're losing 13-3 in the third quarter and basically it was a miracle finish for us to win the football game so you know that that's what we expect uh, when we play them on Saturday. They're going to come in here looking to win the football game, playing tough like they always do. And uh, really, it's up to us to make sure that we're ready to go, make sure that we're improving and ready to kick off. Ference was asked about the struggles in the passing game and whether that's the harder thing to take from the practice field to game time. It's a lot of little things typically, and uh, it's easier to talk about, you know, getting a rhythm and all that type of thing, but it really gets down to execution. And, uh, you know, typically one thing affects another. So, yeah, if a receiver doesn't run the right route or take the right release, those types of things. He's not where the quarterback expects him to be. It's not good. Sometimes the quarterback doesn't make a good decision or, or read things out properly. Protection can break down. So there's so many things that could go uh, haywire in the passing game. And the bottom line is we just, you know, we haven't been consistent enough at this given point. That's hopefully something we'll keep gaining ground. We're going to have to. I mean, to, to be a good offensive football team, you got to be balanced. And, you know, that just helps everything if we can get that going. You know, when you're throwing the ball well, it makes the run game a little bit easier and then vice versa. So it, 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 it all kind of goes together and I don't, I don't think there's necessarily a pattern to it uh it depends you know, every team's a little bit different you know a year ago at this time you know the, the sky was falling defensively for us right we gave up 40 plus points so you know it's just a different circumstance now but the, the bottom line is there's always something to work on there's always a challenge and uh the big thing is how do we attack that challenge how do we get better during the week and uh you know repetition is really important but good repetition is more important than that's that's kind of what we're trying to get in the practice field right now kirk was asked why iowa should play you and i in football I, I just think it's the right thing uh right thing to do 
do. And just like, uh, you know, and Gary and I are on the same page on that one, just like we are the uh, Iowa State series. I just think it's good for our state, for our football, assuming they want to play it. And they, they certainly do. You know, they uh, they relish a challenge. I think, you know, like, you know, again, I really think we're a very unique state of three million people. You got two, two uh, teams that won bowl games last year, and you've got an FCS program that's always in the playoffs. They're always, you know, chasing the championship. So uh, I think it's something we should all embrace. And, and uh, I think that's our plans, at least, to continue that. And Scott Docterman from The Athletic and Hawkeyes Mike Regular asked Kirk about the Swarm, an Iowa tradition since Hayden Fry became the head coach. Well, like most things, I had no no idea what the Swarm was or why we were doing it uh, when I got here. I mean, I, I was just, I wasn't real aware, I guess, uh, back in 1981. But, you know, as I was here through the years, obviously learned the origin of it, what it meant, what it stands for. And to me, it just, it's, you know, like the wave, it's another great Iowa tradition. And I think, you know, it's something when I came back, uh, being part of this culture for nine years, you know, there wasn't much that I didn't want to embrace, quite frankly. So that was one that we really uh, grabbed onto. I think it's it's really a powerful thing. Any any player, any of our former players that have taken part in that, that's it's really a special thing. So they they understand it. That is a tradition that will continue as long as I keep coaching. Next guy's got got the right to do whatever he wants. Uh, but I said before, I think that's one of the neatest things about the wave. I can't see the wave ever ending. So no matter who's coaching here, the, the wave will endure, and that's uh, that's pretty neat. So two two pretty good traditions in sports. <laughs> Visit HawkeyesMike.com and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. You can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes. And you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Medium and Twitter. Next, we hear from UNI's head coach, Mark Farley, who was asked how the early bye week went for his UNI team. Of course, you always think you have a good week of practice, but we needed to improve last week, and, you know, it, I, I felt we I felt we did, but you never know until you take the field again. So that off week at this time period is kind of neutral because now you got to come back today and, and, and get ready for Iowa. But I, fe- I felt we did a good job last week of improving. But again, results will see what happens on, for, on Saturday. Farley was asked about his biggest concerns facing Iowa. Man, when you watch Iowa, particularly this last weekend, uh, they were much better, I thought, this weekend than they were last weekend. And they were, their defensive line is very good. Uh, they've always been very sound. And then as I watch their offense, their their running backs are, are very good. They're back to the Iowa stable of running backs, that very strong, deliberate runners. So probably what's most concerning, I don't know if it's concerning as what it would be any other year, but their, their run game, we all know them as a run team. And uh, what they do with those, they've got the running backs to make plays, let's put it that way. And, and they're making people miss, and they wear on the teams that they've played. And then their D-line is, is always very consistent has really made some doing a nice job against the run both weeks that they've played they've really taken the run game away from both opponents I mean last week that running back at Iowa State I know is really good and they kept him I think 40 yards rushing or something like that if it was 40 some so they to me they held a great running back to 40 yards so that those are the two things that stood out to me as I watched the two weeks of film Farley was asked if his team's 
game week preparations are any different when the opponent is from a Power 5 conference? Whether you play Iowa or Iowa State or the BYUs of the world in Wisconsin, you try to keep you try to keep to your same format. It, there, there really is no difference and when you come to our practice, you wouldn't know who we're going to play. There's no question. There's probably more thoughts going on in the in the player's head as you get ready for somebody like Iowa, uh, especially to a, you know somebody that, that lived here in the state of Iowa and grew up here in the state of Iowa. So I'm sure that's going on in their heads. If you came to a practice this afternoon, you wouldn't know if we're playing Iowa or Montana or whoever the next game is. Coach Farley talks about playing Iowa close in the recent games between the two schools. Well, probably had a lot to do with the players we had too in those games. I mean, we're, we just have to we just have to go play our game, just like they're playing their game. I mean, we're not going to fool them. Uh, they're smart coaches. They're smart players. It's going to come down to lining up and battling at the line of scrimmage. It always does. And then, you know, you're going to have to keep the plays in front of you so they don't get, they're good enough to get behind you in a lot of their plays. And, and uh, they're good enough to cause a lot of disruption and, and create their intercepts too. So you throw in all those things and going to Iowa and then playing them at night with all the things they got going on right now, they're very confident. They're very strong, good looking football team right now. And like I said, about as good as I've seen in the years that I've played Iowa, it's about as good as team balance, depth, where Iowa needs to be great at, they're great at. So they're they're probably a bigger handful this year than, than many years past. And Farley was asked where he expects to see the most improvement in his team from game one to this Saturday's game two. What we need to do is we need to improve as a football team. So this week is critical to improve. Last week, yes, we practiced and it looked good and every coach says he has good practice. You need to see the improvement on the field on Saturday afternoon. We need to improve drastically from week one to this week and we need to do it against a very good opponent. So yeah, there's there's got to be improvement across the board. There's got to be improvement about every phase of the game. If there's not improvement, it will be magnified in this football game uh, drastically because of the opponent. So yeah, every phase has to improve and every player has to has to improve going to Iowa. They are going to go for the field goal, a 47-yarder. At first glance, I thought they might be punting it away, but they are going to see if Miguel Rencinos can put this one in from 48 yards. His longest of 2017 was from this distance. An equalizer? Nope. Yes. You betcha. You sort of talked it in there, didn't you? <laughs> Maybe. Could be. English. I know what you were thinking. Possibly the crossbar unkind, but no. He got it through. Hawkeyes lead it by three. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. <laughs> How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on up to 10 washings. Moisturizes, alcohol-free, and safe for the kids. So go ahead, touch anything and everything. Ooh, a toilet. Prefins, keep your hands germ-free all day. Do you want to learn more about kicking and punting? It's hard to find quality training for place kicking and punting, especially with a coach who will give you full attention and who cares about your growth as a person as well as a kicker. That's why Kaluzi Kicking is here. Kaluzi Kicking strives to bring out the very best in every student athlete by utilizing hands-on training, video analysis, and athlete marketing. Kaluzi Kicking is a family-oriented company and believes in working hard to help achieve your goals. The Kaluzi Kicking team will provide you the resources you need to perfect every aspect of the kicking game as you aspire to play at the next level. You can find out more information at kaluzikicking.com. Or you can email us, info at kaluzikicking.com. 
Time now for our Reporter's Notebook feature this week with Steve Batterson. You can read Steve's articles in the Quad City Times and online at qctimes.com. You can also follow Steve on Twitter at sbat79. Steve reflects on the Cyhawk Trophy win over Iowa State, and he previews the matchups in this Saturday's game against Northern Iowa. Plus, we talk some Big Ten. Steve, the Hawks start 2018-2-0 now with last week's win over Iowa State on the heels of the opening victory over Northern Iowa. Two pretty respectable teams that by the time the season's over will probably do reasonably well. Uh, reflections on Iowa's win over the Cyclones. Well, an- another week of, of good defensive play from the Hawkeyes, uh, you know, certainly uh, providing the offense with a, with the chance to kind of get its legs under it, which, uh, you know, is still a work in progress. And, and uh, you know, that, that front four or the front eight, if you want to include all the guys that are rotating in there, uh, are, are certainly, uh, you know, doing a heck of a job to, to limit anybody uh, to 19 yards rushing um, in, in a college football game in this area is a pretty uh, solid accomplishment. And, and to do so against an Iowa State team that, that prides itself on, on its ability to run the ball, that's, uh, uh, you know, it's another feather in the cap of, of, uh, of what Reese Morgan's guys have going on up front right now. And it's, it's giving Iowa a chance to to get off to the kind of start that uh, you know they hope to get off to this season and you know as everybody kind of waits for the offense to kind of click in it it certainly was uh, you know it, it was exactly what Iowa needed another slow start out of the gate offensively last week against the Cyclones three points in the first half for the second straight week that's a little concerning certainly I'm sure one of the points of emphasis this week has been getting off to a faster start and uh, you know it doesn't get much slower than getting a delay of game penalty on, on before the first snap and that's the way it started last week for Iowa and, and it's it's a continued uh, situation where uh, uh, you know this offense is still trying to kind of find itself at this point and, and the passing game has been a little out of kilter and, and it's uh, you know that's been the common theme for the first couple of weeks and, and we'll see where it leads heading into week three. Well this week another in-state team rolls into Kinnick at the University of Northern Iowa Panthers and recent games in this series have been very close very tough uh, certainly no gimmies in terms of the Hawkeyes here. So let's open up some more comments here on Iowa's offense against UNI's defense. The Panthers only have played one game, so there's not a whole lot to look at there, but in terms of what we have, just talked about Iowa's problems, particularly in the passing game and the slow starts, and uh, UNI lost its first game at Montana with a very poor first half and then a terrific second half that they came up just short. Yeah, a real... uh kind of mix of, of, of games there and, and it's uh, it's left Iowa wondering a little bit about what it's going to see this week. One of the constants in talking with players the other day is that they they don't know exactly what Northern Iowa is going to come out with. One, they've had the bye week, the extra week to prepare. They also didn't get off to the start that they, that they hoped to get off to. The one constant with you and I is that they certainly seem to have some talent on the defensive side of the ball. They, they gave up 26 points in the first half at Montana they didn't give up a single point in the second half of Montana. We're going to flip that conversation a little later, but you know, in Duncan Furch, you've got a kid who's you know amongst the the top players in, in the Missouri Valley Football Conference, so along with Ricky Neal, they have uh, you know a, a couple of guys there that are, are certainly capable of, of uh, creating some issues.
issues for Iowa's offense. And, and uh, you know, I'm certain that, uh, you know, they'll come in playing at a fairly high tempo. It, uh, this is a Northern Iowa team that not unlike Iowa has a lot of Iowa kids in its lineups. And the last three times that they've come into Kinnick, they certainly have brought the uh, brought the defensive intensity to give Iowa some issues. It'll be another real test for Nate Stanley and, and you know, whoever might be at running back and receiver for Iowa. Uh, with Irie Kelly-Martin uh, on the DL last week and, and, you know, still out of practice early this week. And, and with Amir Smith-Marset suffering that shoulder injury uh, during the second half of the Iowa State game and, and being out of practice early this week, too. Uh, it leads to some questions in, in, in the Hawkeyes' final tune-up before the start of Big Ten season. Furch had 12 total tackles in that Montana game. Ricky Neal led the conference last year with 9.5 sacks, and he also had 15 tackles for loss. He's pretty active there. Stanley is only uh, completing about 53% of his passes so far this season. Yeah, and that's a little concerning. Uh, when, when the entire offseason talk was uh, centered around how you know he needed to kind of take that next step and it's been a struggle so far in the past game for Iowa and, you know it's not all on Nate uh, I, I do think Kirk was accurate in, in his uh, comment on Tuesday that it, it appears that Nate might be pressing a little bit right now he, he's a perfectly capable Big Ten quarterback he proved that a year ago he needs to just come out and play the game uh, the problem you know that continues to exist in terms of receivers and consistency in what the receivers are able to do you know I, I thought that 30 yard catch that Brandon Smith had on Iowa touchdown drive and the 45-yard catch that uh, Smith-Marset had before he was injured. Both, you know, the type of catches that can do a lot to help a kid's confidence. And, you know, those are the kind of plays that need to be made for Smith and Smith-Marset to kind of take that next step and and become consistent contributors in this offense. Iowa knows what it has in in, in Hawkinson. He's got 10 catches so far this season. Uh, Noah Fant has has been kind of hot and cold, has had a couple couple of drops, uh, you know, and, and uh, is working through that. And, and, you know, they need him to be a, a big play threat as well. And uh, once, that, once that comes together and clicks, I think the Iowa offense is going to be okay because the run game has been fairly solid so far this season. Yeah, the, I guess if you had to pick out the biggest surprise through the first two games on Iowa's offense, it would be Hawkinson. And, and probably the biggest disappointment or one of them has been fat, especially because of the drops. But, you know, if, if he makes that catch on that long throw in the first game, fan stats are going to look a lot better, too. To your point, Brandon Smith only has that one catch through the first two games. It looked like last Saturday they began to refine Nick Easley a little bit, who had kind of disappeared. One catch through two games from from a guy who had 51 catches a year ago. That's the type of... Uh, of player that you need to get some production from. And some of what we're seeing with fans is he's getting a little extra defensive attention as well. Uh, that That's opening some things up for, for Hawkinson, certainly. But other guys need to step up and, and, and kind of be that guy, whether it's a Max Cooper who had his first catch last week or, or you know, just the continued development of Brandon Smith, who, who looks like he's going to be a you know, a real solid uh, catch point kind of receiver. And, and Smith-Marset, who certainly has the speed to, to become a, a 
difference maker in, in that receiving core. Those guys, Iowa needs them to, to make some progress this week, uh, especially with the Wisconsin game looming. The running back situation, there's some speculation that there's no particular reason to rush uh, Ivory Kelly Martin back for this game. Certainly the odds makers don't think it's going to be very close. Uh, the same might go for Smith-Marset if, if he's kind of iffy. Why rushing back in, unless you really, you know, the game turns out to be a lot closer than people think. Kelly Martin did a nice job in game one. Torn Young and, and Sargent are pretty effective. Young has rushed for 152 total yards so far, and he's averaging 5.2 a carry. That's that's pretty good. And that's that's the target number for Iowa running backs. Uh, you know, they, they, they want their backs to kind of shoot for five yards per carry, and, and he certainly has delivered, and he certainly has proven capable of delivering. And, and, and he's also, I think, going to be a very durable back. And, you know, there isn't really a need to rush Ivory Kelly Martin back in this week. I think uh, Iowa has two backs that they can depend upon, you know, to get those guys more work and more experience. All three of these guys are, are really kind of still cutting their teeth at, at the, uh, you know, the, the starting level, if you will, at, at, in Big Ten type competition and and to be able to to do that to have those guys out there and as many carries as possible i think is is a beneficial thing at this juncture and iowa got its two starting offensive tackles back for the cyclones game Werfs and jackson but really the offensive line has performed reasonably well in terms of uh pass protection they've only given up one sack through the first two games yeah and, and that's that's uh that's big uh you know it, it, nate is having the the time to work back there and and uh, Iowa played only six offensive linemen against the Cyclones. Neither of the offensive tackles that started against Northern Illinois, Kellenberger or uh, Dalton Ferguson, were able to uh, see a snap last week. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's, that shows you where Iowa's at in terms of depth on the offensive front. But certainly, uh, um, you know, I think that uh, they've done a solid job with what they've got. They still need to find ways to continue to develop that depth. And, you know, if they can create a little separation in terms of score this week, this would be a good situation to try to get uh, you know some of those reserves back into the game. Okay, looking at this matchup, Iowa's offense, UNI's defense, who has the edge? I think that this is probably a situation where Iowa has an edge. I think their ability to, to kind of run the football and kind of ground and pound, I think, is going to be important this week. But Iowa needs to, to find a way to uh, you know to incorporate the pass and get a little effectiveness out of that. I think that Iowa has the experience uh, against the Northern Iowa team that seems to be kind of still finding its way to, to, to make some ground on, on on this week's matchup. Let's turn the page now. Iowa's defense matching up against UNI's offense. A fair amount of superlatives can be tossed around for Iowa's defensive play. Sure, it's only the first two games, but they were two quality opponents. What they've done, especially in the defensive line, which has probably taken some pressure off of the, uh, the linebackers that don't have that kind of experience, but even in the defensive secondary, it's been pretty solid. It, it really has, and, and you know, I, I think you probably couldn't ask for a, a better scenario to, to be able to learn and, and not be in a position where you're you're constantly kind of putting out fires. I think that's uh, that's given this defense a chance to really kind of grow at a pretty quick rate. And, you know, you, you see guys, uh, you know, like Jack Hockaday step into the lineup and, and, and perform the way that he has. I think that's uh, he certainly is, uh, is a guy who appears to be kind of settling in at, at that middle linebacker position that, that a couple of 
weeks ago, everybody else assumed that it was going to be an Amani Jones's role. Uh, you know, the Hawkeyes have started five different guys at six available spots for two games. And, you know, I think the plan is to continue to kind of survey the situation over these next couple of games and take a little time during the bye week and see where things are at. But, uh, you know, it looks like the Hawkeyes are, are settling into to playing some pretty good defense. And, and certainly the potential on that side of the ball is, is very encouraging. Nick Neiman has been really good on the outside, and it looks like Christian Welch may have lost his starting position. Yeah, it's one of those things that when uh, he led Iowa in tackles against Northern Illinois, but suffered a bit of an injury in that game, and, and you know, John Colbert steps in, and, and, you know, he got the job done, and it looks like uh, he'll be tested again this week, and, you know, his performance will ultimately dictate, uh, you know, just how that position settles out. It wouldn't really surprise me too much to see some sort of a rotation kind of uh, develop at that spot. I think that uh, Iowa certainly has a couple of guys, a couple of young guys who, who are capable, and uh, uh, we'll, we'll find out over the next few weeks just how, how willing uh, Seth Wallace and, and Phil Parker are uh, in terms of being able to kind of mix and match bodies based on uh, opponents, perhaps. Defensive end play has been terrific. I, I'm not sure there can be much better defensive end play around the country right now, and uh, you've got the, technically uh, the backup right end. A.J. Epinesa was named uh, co-defensive player of the week this past week for his play by the Big Ten for his play in the Iowa State game. His play during the second half of that game was terrific, and, and uh, it certainly showed the potential as to why you know he was so highly recruited and uh, you know certainly will be a, a leader and a, and, a, and a star, if you will, uh, on this defense uh, moving forward. Uh, you know, it's a very interesting situation that Iowa has with with the depth that it has at the defensive end spots. And, you know, Parker Hesse is a, is a senior, a veteran uh, guy who, who certainly has earned, uh, you know, his stripes as well as has Anthony Nelson and, and uh, you know, now Chauncey Golston on the other side. It's, it's been an interesting interesting development in terms of how Iowa has four bodies that, that are playing at really such a high level. And uh, it's going to be fun to watch those guys continue to develop, especially Goldston and, and AJ. They, they are, are kids that are that are learning and are growing, and uh, they're going to be the foundation for that defense for, for uh, you know, at least the next couple of years uh, once, uh, you know, once Parker Hesse has moved on to, to the to bigger and better things. And it's a, it's a fun situation to watch. UNI's offense, uh, let's talk that for a couple of minutes here. They have um, a lot of discussion at, uh, at Mark Farley's press conference this week about who might start at quarterback, who might see the most playing time. In the Montana game, they started last year's starter, Eli Dunn. He performed so poorly, he got jerked out of there, and they put in another senior, Colton Howell, who had a pretty decent game, especially in the second half. But, you know, the old saw is if you if you have two starting quarterbacks, you don't have any starting quarterback. And they're kind of two different quarterbacks, too. Eli Dunn is more of a prototypical, you know, drop-back passer kind of guy, and Colton Howell is a kid who maybe has a little more mobility and, and is more of a threat to run. And, you know, they were able to, to use him to to uh, you know, collect some some yards and and also some points. Uh, you know, they outscored Montana 23 to nothing in the second half, and they got some things going on offense that didn't happen when Dunn was at the controls of the offense that, that he ran pretty well last season. And uh, yeah, Mark Farley's got a decision to make this week, and he's not been willing to this point to to share it with anybody in terms of who he may throw out there Saturday night. But you know, certainly uh, in Dunn in particular, you've got you've got a, a fairly experienced quarterback who's seen some some good snaps. Howell is is capable as well. He 
showed that against Montana. You know, they're going to kind of mix and match guys at, at a couple different positions. They've got a couple of running backs in, in uh, Trevor Allen and Marcus Waymiller that are, that are kids who uh, certainly have some ability and, and, and some potential. Uh, Waymiller is a, is a Wacom kid, a Northeast Iowa kid, uh, senior out of the out of the same program as, as Parker Hesse. So, you know, there, there's uh, there's some familiarity there and, and certainly, uh, you know, a situation I think where, you know, receiver-wise, they, they certainly have some, some guys as well who, who can uh, do some damage and it's going to be interesting to see kind of how that all fits together. A lot of uncertainty this week as to who the guy behind center is going to be, though. They have a nice tight end in Briley Moore. Yeah, probably one of their better receivers on the team. He certainly he led them in receptions at Montana and he is another one of those guys who is, uh, has received some preseason all-conference mention. It's, uh, you know, he's a kid that, uh, you know, he, he's been around for, for, you know, a couple of years now and he's got some decent size, 6'3", 242, and, you know, he, he's a kid that uh, will uh, have the attention of the Iowa defense. He's kind of splitting that that role a little bit with uh, Elias Nissen, a kid out of Springville, Iowa, who uh, you know will bring it as well, uh, more of a, a blocking threat than maybe a pass catching guy. But uh, certainly some capable guys on on Northern Iowa's offense. That we're very typical for a Mark Farley team. They have a reasonably big offensive line too for an FCS school. They average 303. The five guys across the front there. Their real problem, or one of them at Montana was uh, they rushed for 40 times but only 2.6 yards per carry. I don't know where they're going to uh, come up with their offensive production here versus the Hawkeyes given what the Iowa's defense has done in its first two games. Who has the edge here? Yeah, you certainly have to look at Iowa's defense and what they've done and Iowa has a sizable advantage right now based on the real small sample size of, of, of what you and I present at this point and this should be a game that Iowa should be able to, to control the Panthers running game and if that happens, it, it, it could be over fairly early at Kinnick this time. Look at special teams here for just a couple of moments. Miguel Racinos, who was really solid last year, has had a little bit of an issue this year, just three for five right now on the field goals, a long of 48. He's perfect on PATs. One of the real surprises so far, and it's early, is the punter starter, Colton Rastetter, who's averaging 48 yards per punt. He's had four over 50 yards and four inside the 20. We heard all off season about the progress that the punters were making and, and certainly Rastetter has, has delivered through two games. He, he's found good success with the, with the rugby style punts and, and uh, it's something that has become a little bit of an advantage for Iowa in terms of, of uh, being able to, to uh, dictate some field position. We saw the flip side of that last week with Iowa State and, and the struggle that its, its first time punter had in, in uh, punting at Kinnick in, in that environment. And you know, Certainly the, the more consistency Iowa can get out of Colton Rastatter and, and Miguel Racinos, uh, the better off the Hawkeyes are going to be moving forward. I like what I've seen so far of Kyle Grunerweg at punt returner. Not a lot of yards have been put up. He's only averaging 7.2 per return, but those have been big yards in some key situations. His ability to catch the ball and, and, and know what to do with it, you know, that combination has, has been pretty effective so far. You know, Iowa's never been a team that has looked to gain a ton of yards out of its punt returns, but, you know, if he, if he can get up around 10, you know, 10, 12 yards per return uh, on average over the course of the season, that, that's going to be pretty effective. I mean, that's like a first down. It's, uh, it's something that can help turn field position, and, and it's, uh, you know, and in some ways it's kind of a free play that way, and his ability 
ability. Uh, he came in with the reputation for being a good return man, and, and so far from what we've seen, uh, you know, that, that reputation is well-deserved. Just a footnote there, Montana returned six punts. They averaged over 12 yards per punt, so we'll see what happens in that regard on Saturday. Quick look at the Big Ten. Certainly some interesting results last weekend, not the least of which was Colorado coming into Lincoln and uh, melting a little bit of the frost euphoria out there. And Michigan State that went out west into the desert, played Arizona State, lost. Iowa's experienced what those trips are like. Yeah, uh, there, there's a reason you don't see many trips to Arizona or Oregon on the Iowa future schedules. Uh, things haven't gone well in the past when Iowa's gone out west. And, you know, I, it, it's a tough situation. You're traveling a couple of time zones, and, you know, and certainly in Michigan State's case last week, uh, that game kicked off at 10.45 p.m. Lansing time. You know, that, that's just an unusual situation, not to mention the fact they do have a bye week this week, so it, it lessens the impact a little bit in terms of the return trip, but it, it really creates uh, issues for a lot of teams when you come back and have to play that next week. But, you know, Michigan State played a decent football game. They were, they were uh, you know, unable to keep Arizona State off, off the board a couple of times in the fourth quarter, and that came back to bite them. And, uh, you know, a tough loss for a team that had pretty high hopes, but uh, uh, D'Antonio's got a couple weeks now to kind of get them to regroup. They open Big Ten play next week at Indiana, so, or against Indiana. So, you know, it, it, it's a situation where uh, probably a chance to learn some lessons, and not, not unlike what uh, what Iowa did when they went to Arizona State uh, back in 04 and, and came away with uh, a, a pretty ugly loss and was able to kind of regroup and build off of that. Yeah, and Duke, Duke topped Northwestern 21-7 to in Evanston. That was interesting. This week, 13 of the 14 teams are in action, all non-conference games. Uh, the only two that look really intriguing to me are Ohio State versus TCU, played in Arlington, Texas in AT&T Stadium, and Missouri at Purdue, and Purdue now is at risk of an 0-3 start after losing to Northwestern in West Lafayette, and then last week to Eastern Michigan in West Lafayette. Yeah, and certainly Tyler Weger is a former Iowa quarterback, went in and, and just lit up the Boilermakers for 312 yards. He threw a 75-yard touchdown pass in that game. It, it, you know, Purdue is, is kind of teetering right now, and, and uh, you know, they, they went to Mizzou last year and, and came away with a win that kind of set the tone for their season. I'm sure that hasn't been forgotten in Columbia. It's going to be another tough test for the Florida the Boilers, and, and yeah, you're right. They're, they're looking 0-3 in, in the eyes if, if they can't get it together, and, and offensive consistency has been an issue for a team that, that had a decent amount of experience coming back on offense. It was maybe a little greener on the defensive side of the ball. They're not giving up a, a ton of points, but uh, for whatever reason, the, you know, the, the two-headed quarterback of, of, of David Blau and Elijah Sindelar hasn't exactly uh, uh, lit it up yet, and, and uh, my guess is Purdue will be a much better team later in the season than they are right now, but uh, they certainly could use a win this week. Back to Iowa UNI this Saturday night, Kinnick Stadium. The last few games have been closer than a lot of Iowa fans probably expected. What's your prediction for this one? Yeah, I don't think this one will be. I, I think that, uh, you know, there's been a lot of talk this week about uh, potential trap games and, and, and you know, not looking ahead to Wisconsin. I think Iowa, you know, will be in for a tough battle. I think Northern Iowa will come in and play the Hawkeyes fairly close. I'm not convinced that this will be the week that Iowa gets that fast start offensively, but I do think they've got the talent and certainly the defensive ability to kind of wear the Panthers down. Uh, this is a game I think that Iowa will pull away to, to maybe like a 24-7 to kind of uh, win. Very workmanlike. I don't think Iowa's going to do anything that's going to be too uh, out of the norm as 
they get ready for Wisconsin. But I do think that uh, this is a game that Iowa should be able to, to take care of business at home. <laughs> my kind of team, Charlie. It's my kind of team. Four in a row for the seniors. They love their coach, and well they should. The first of four trophy games for Iowa belongs to the Hawkeyes. This is what makes the college game great. It's week two, and they've hoisted a trophy because of what? The tradition and history of this game. And this building, this city, this state, absolutely chock full of it. Iowa just launched themselves because of the credibility of Iowa State in the Big 12. This will bode well when the rankings come out this week. Are you or your local Iowa company looking for a new roof or sheet metal work? TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal specializes in low-slope commercial and industrial roofing and sheet metal. Building strong and safe in the Midwest for over 50 years, TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal, located in Ely, Iowa, just south of Cedar Rapids, provides strong, expert customer service and the best quality fit for you, their customer. For a free estimate, give TNK a call at 319-848-4191 or toll free at 1-800-383-7663. You you can also visit their brand new website at tkroofing.com. TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal, your home for all your low slope roofing systems. Give them a call today. Again, 319 848 4191 or toll free at 1 800 383 7663. Our thanks again to Fox for the Iowa ISU game highlights. And as always, thanks to Steve Batterson. We hope you've enjoyed this program. All Hawkeyes Mike podcasts are available and can be subscribed to on iTunes, Overcast, and other podcasting apps. HawkeyesMike.com, podcasting original programming on Iowa athletics for 12 seasons. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.